Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I am your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in Southern Illinois is a man who is a shining example of the growth of MLS development, especially in the podcasting realm. It's producer Mason. How are you this week, Mason? I'm good. I don't know what to do with an intro that's actually kind of praising of me. (laughs) I feel a bit uncomfortable. We'll correct that (laughs) next week. And also joining us from his uh, carved out studio somewhere in West County, St. Louis, is a man who by himself could have outran a rather lethargic Chelsea by 11 kilometers on Sunday. It is Sean Campbell. How's your week been, Sean? Oh, I had a fantastic weekend, to say the absolute least, Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. It's just good to have my teams winning for once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we referenced, especially these are referencing uh, Leeds United States FC uh, in their huge and very impressive victory. Jesse Marsh's side beating Chelsea over the weekend. We'll touch on that a little bit later in the show, but we got to get right to it because we have a big, big, big show this week. Big, 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 big. It's big. <laughs> and uh, hefty, hefty, hefty. Oh wait, will I get to? Will that get us demonetized if we're not actually monetized? <laughs> what for referencing a fifteen-year-old advertisement <laughs> <laughs> that's still being used? I'm glad you said that. Uh, <laughs> the big news. Biggest news of the entire week is probably this one. On the St. Louis City SC mobile app, they announced that beer is coming soon to Cinti Stadium. Beer! <laughs> yes, what we all were waiting for. That's what gets the supporters section jumping right there is beer. Proof that the club loves us and wants us to be happy. Now, the real love for the club for us is uh, putting uh, actual cup holders in the supporters section for... You know, such events. But uh, this leads to speculation. If they're already putting beer into the stadium, that does that mean that soon Centene will be hosting an event? Hmm. Well, we have some more speculation on that later, too. Because ah. I did a bit of investigative journalism. Ooh, Mason Ooh. doing journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to show us up. <laughs> it's not much. <laughs> hey, it still counts. <laughs> also big news for the big club. St. Louis SC has signed another player. Not really expected, but uh, they're starting to delve into some MLS veterans. And they, uh, according to reports from TransferMark.com, confirmed by STL today, is that uh, Jared Straub, winger and midfielder for Austin FC, has been signed to the club or the deal's been worked out. He'll be coming in in the winter. So... What kind of signing it is, he really has been on the outs in Austin during this much bigger year. Talking to our friends at Moon Tower Soccer uh, earlier, they were kind of down the fact that he wasn't really scoring goals, even though he was getting into into, uh, creating chances and getting position. But it's an MLS veteran and one that has worked with uh, head coach Bradley Carnell during their time with uh, New York Red Bulls. It's a it's a phrase that you use, you have used in the past for Paul Ariola, danger adjacent. <laughs> I stole that from Scuffed, but... <laughs> now, Ariola has shown with Dallas, at least, uh, 
he's not so adjacent anymore for danger. And I hope that bleeds into the uh, U.S. men's national team during the short stints he's probably going to get for them during the World Cup. But yeah, if he can score with the running and the chances he creates, that'd be great for them. But we'll talk a little bit about such things a little later in the show, perhaps. Mm-hmm. We also had uh, some some good news coming out of City 2 as they're still on their road trip. Still out west, playing in San Jose against uh, Earthquakes 2. And uh, they shut them down. Really had them down at 1.5 nil. A big 5-2 victory. That clinches a berth in the MLS Next Pro playoffs in their first season of existence. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of Atlanta, LAFC, Nashville, and especially the Sounders. A uh, long way to go. See if they can match the Chicago Fire, who won MLS Cup in their first season of existence. But we're looking ahead. Let's focus on the game that happened over the weekend. Was it a great start for City 2 and by any means? It's a really bad start. I, I just want to say, I, I hope this does not become a pattern or a theme when it comes to City, because that is going to be a very... Um, those that have heart problems better not be fans of the team if that is the start <laughs> we're going to have every game, because it seems to be coming a pattern. I don't think that this will become a pattern, because... Quite frankly, what happened there was I think that just there was a San Jose player offside and they passed the ball to him and he got free on a break. Although I don't know if the flag was up on that. So, <laughs> yeah, all of 10 seconds from the opening kickoff, uh, Quakes player Will Richmond had was wide open in front of the net. And, well, let's just say he. He should have done something different because his shot went wide. City could have been down 1-0 10 seconds into the match. And we've seen, uh, you know, kind of teams attacking City too early on and getting chances, sometimes scoring pretty early. And I think what it is is they want to get at them before the press has a moment to settle to bet in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be. they get a, they get Maybe they've seen something in the scouting at the very beginning and jump on them then. It's sort of like the old adage in baseball. You're facing a great pitcher, better get to him early. Because once they get to that third inning, they're probably going to start mowing you down. Yeah. Took all of about seven minutes for St. Louis City to show who was boss in this match, to be quite honest. Juan Cousin, who was very much Obi-Wan Cousin in this one. What a game. Uh, he gets down to the goal line. Uh, beats his player there, gets a cut back on the break to kill Watts, finishes cleanly and smartly, and it's a 1-0 lead for uh, St. Louis City. Up until that point, the Quakes were dangerous. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, on the attack, the Quakes did cause problems. Uh, Matt Baker of Flyover Footy did point out uh, on Twitter that uh, it looked like the game plan for John, Coach John Hackworth and... Uh, City was to press really high, keep an extremely high line, and rely upon Roman Berkey uh, to be a brick wall and goal. And for very much most of the match, he he was outstanding. For yeah, for eighty minutes, he absolutely was a wall. <laughs> Didn't have much chances on the other ones, to really be honest. Um, but yeah, in the in the notes, I put here that Akil Watts had righted the ship. <laughs> 
which yeah. he absolutely did because that was a really danger that not a not a good foot to start the game off on yeah well it didn't start out well but like you said as they got bedded in that they started to rest control get out on the break and that was just a wonderful break to watch there was some very good exciting passages in play in this one uh had the first teamers the international signings a lot of those in the game early on and their class showed either directly or indirectly in this match. Jump in the gun a little bit, but you were live tweeting it, and we had a reply from somebody, don't quite remember who, unfortunately, that just said, this is a really fun team to watch, and I can't agree more. It is. It is very fun. Well, they have the same sort of rampant attitude, you know, ability to run the field like this against uh, MLS sites. Perhaps some of the poor ones in the first season... Uh, that the press really affects, do expect a lot more challenges in what's becoming a tougher and tougher league, to be quite honest. Uh, even in this secondary window, it's gotten much tougher. Though not necessarily on the defensive side, <laughs> as we've talked about earlier. One of those uh, European players coming over uh, had a fine, how do you do, in the 39th minute. Uh, Opening the account, as one might yeah. say. <laughs> Uh, game had kind of drug up to this point. I was kind of dozing off. It was a 9 p.m. Central Time start, and I had a long day. Uh, then I heard they had a corner. They got a second corner. Put that in. As is always important on set pieces is what happens with the second and perhaps the third ball. In this case, it fell to Selmio Pedro from about, oh, what would you say? Oakville, Illinois? <laughs> and he just hit, yeah. I called it on Twitter. I'll call it here. He just smacked a thunder bastard. Holy yeah. cow. Welcome. Welcome to the U.S., Mr. Pedro. Yeah. This Mason, was what was the word you called it? I called it a howitzer, and he probably hit this ball from five yards off the the arc of the box. <laughs> And this was a ball that pre that had last touched the goalie's hands. <laughs> this was off a spilled save, and he rockets it in. <laughs> yep, and uh, first half barrage uh, kept coming. As in the 41st minute, Zhao Klaus gets <laughs> left alone on a break right in front of goal. I believe it was Juan Cousin with the assist again. Uh but I could be wrong on that. Don't have it in the notes going off memory. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't mil. be that far off if Juan Cousin was the one that came to mind. Man had himself an absolute game. And absolute had stellar game. performance yeah. from him. And talking about well-rounded games, and somebody had the full experience <laughs> of welcome to MLS Next Pro. In the first half, uh, Samuel Pedro. Made his acquaintance to City 2 fans by getting shown a red card. Straight red in first half stoppage. Apparently for Dogso. Because if it wasn't, we don't have any idea what it was. Dogso. Denial of obvious skull scoring opportunity. Um, yeah, because... Uh, Honestly, if it wasn't Dogzo, then it was a really, really bad call. Because I don't even know if that was a cardable offense of a V-A-R. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's the worst part. They were playing in PayPal Park. They were playing in the Quakes 1 Stadium. They could have gone to VAR for this one. I don't think it's allowed even if they it's, have the No, capacities. it's not allowed, but they could have. They have the infrastructure it's in un- that stadium. fair <laughs> for so many stadiums don't have it. I know, but it's just, it's very funny that it happened to be they were playing <laughs> yeah. in a park that obviously does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, preseason for Pedro, not a great decision. I'm sure that'll be looked at. Uh, probably has already uh, in the video room for the team. And it's just something to work on. It's what you expect from the international players coming over. New system, new style, in preseason, not everything sharp as can be. And we got that. Unfortunate that was right at the end of the half, so you got another 45 to go. Uh, It was not a penalty. It was a free kick just outside of the box that it missed again. Yeah, got stopped. Yeah, or not, not even stopped, it just missed. Um. But yeah, this was one of the sloppiest games that the boys have played all season when it comes to discipline. Um, you know, in terms of result, a 5-2 smackdown is always fun to watch, but there were a lot of cards and they almost all were against us. <laughs> yeah, not all of it was fair. Uh, City did go into the break with, uh, what was it, 3-0 lead at halftime. Really kind of left off the hook because Quakes did create some chances. Poor Will Richmond of the Quakes that missed in the first 10 seconds also missed a couple other. He uh, wasn't even on target on a couple other great chances. And Berkey was holding down the fort. Mm-hmm. Get into the second half, down a man. You'd expect the St. Louis City to, you know, play like a team does with 45 minutes to go down a man. No, no, they didn't. They didn't need that other player. Chow Klaus scored. What minute was that? 50th, uh, I believe. His, yeah, his second one was yeah. in the 50th. Yeah. And uh, then Cecilio Pompeu scores a free kick in the 56th minute. It's 5 0. And you could kind of see it in the Quakes players from there on out. There wasn't a lot of fight left in them, but they still had fight left in them. Uh, Josh Yarrow. Uh, Whoop. You know, from the broadcast, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what happened, but he got a second yellow. Uh, apparently, I would have to assume it was a del- the call was a deliberate handball in the box on that one. It has to be. We're also we're skipping something because San Jose scores before this happens. Oh, pardon. Oh, me. yeah. The, it was late in the game, like ten minutes left almost, and. Yeah, and this, you have yeah, to they, expect that somebody somewhere was watching this game and said the S word to their friends that they were watching with. And for those that don't know, um, if you if you have a clean sheet going, you don't say the words clean sheet or shut out until the game is over. If it's in the second half, otherwise you're just asking to be scored upon. And that's what happened. We got scored upon. And it was late, too. Yeah. At least after the 75th, maybe in the... Uh, it was the- in the 81st. Okay, that's what I was thinking off the top of my head. Uh, San Jose got by Berkey, 81st, with a nice header from Miles Robinson. Not that one. Not that one, no. <laughs> no. D- different Miles uh, Robinson. <laughs> and then Yarrow gets the uh, second yellow and the subsequent red card, so down to nine men. 
and that led to a penalty that San Jose was able to score. That led to the 5-2 uh, final scoreline. Uh, some late dramatics in this game. It's a wild game. Yeah. Yeah, it was... You had to keep watching. Uh, there was times, uh, a couple of moments where it's like this seems to be wrapped up, but it never felt that way. Like I said, Quakes 2 were able to mount an attack against that high line of uh, City 2 and had their chances. They didn't convert. Unlike what we've seen earlier in the season, City 2 was absolutely lethal in their finishing in this one. Oh, absolutely. What chances they created, they scored on. They didn't just create, you know, uh, chances. They were creating goals. And that's a big thing to see. Oh, I, yeah. I think the uh, uh, the incoming players from Europe have really helped with that. Yeah. Um, looking at, like, the official stats from the MLS Next Pro site for the game, uh, City 2 had seven shots on goal, and we got five goals. Yeah. That's two missed shots on goal. Wow. <laughs> it was it was ruthless is what it was. It was lethal. Uh City just got on them and found openings and exploited them. Oh yeah. It's this is this is high octane energy drink soccer. This is what we we're going to look to expect from this team once the first team starts. It's pedal to the metal, it's foot to the floor, and even if you're down two guys you're still pushing. You're still trying to create chances. Granted, I don't think they created much after they went down the second man, but they scored two down a man while they were already up by three goals. This is what yeah. we are going to expect to see on the first team. A team that goes down a man and doesn't just park the bus proverbially and have everyone behind the ball and just bunker down. We're going to keep going after the game regardless, and I love to see that from this team, and I can't wait for the first team to implement that strategy. Yeah, I think you got it exactly right as describing it as pedal to the metal, and I think that that is part of the reason why, like we had uh, somebody comment on in your Twitter thread, this team is so much fun to watch. They just go balls out all the time constant. Balls to the walls. Heavy metal football. Yeah. Uh, along with Berkey, Pedro, Klaus, Thomas Ostrak got uh, quite a bit of time. It's not his first appearance. But we did see Edward Leuven and uh, the young 18-year-old Isaac Jensen get their first appearances in the game. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Getting to run out, get to take a little look at them. Uh, can't say as I noticed much in their play, but they didn't have a lot of time. And at that point, game was in hand. And down to 10 and then nine men. Yeah. But also talking about that, uh, Pedro opened his account, but also Jao Klaus scored both his first and second goals for St. Louis in this game. <laughs> Always good to open two accounts in the same game, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing we saw from Klaus was uh, within the structure playing in, uh, in Europe and German football, uh, we saw... Him having an effective high press that we really hadn't seen as effective the first time around. It's something he's comfortable with. He gets the automations down in the system from the coaching staff. Looks like he's picked it up pretty quick. He was much better at pressing from the very front of the attack in this one. And it really disrupted the Quakes. 
Oh, absolutely. The midfield, the attackers are getting in on this too. It's it's pressuring the ball. It's getting the turnovers deep in their own half. There's, It's just a very exciting team to watch, even when they're playing defense. And I, for one, am very excited to, to see that next year continue into the MLS level because that is what puts butts in seats. That's what sells tickets and beer. And that's how you get people having watch parties all around the state to watch this team play because it's like, yeah, that's the big event tonight. That game right there. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of carry-on effects, let's talk about the ramifications of this game. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. There was punched. a Wasn't there a ticket punched? Yeah, you could say there were actually two tickets punched in this one. Uh, continuing a theme... Uh, that I noticed, uh, City 2 is now tied for first to get their playoff berth in MLS Next Pro because by defeating San Jose, we also punched the ticket for Tacoma. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we get first by default on the tiebreaker that we're the one that decided it, so technically we punched it first. And by yeah. punching our ticket, then punch Tacomas. That's the way I'm going to think of it. I don't care that Tacomas first. We punched. We punched first. That's what matters. It's just it's a theme that I've noticed thinking back previously about like when we were like literally tied on every category except for like two with North Texas for like three weeks. <laughs> Good news heading into the playoffs is it looks like uh, Tacoma's uh, Nick Leva bouncing up and down with the Sounders has found a starting role with the Sounders, a defensive midfielder, so he might not be at all available in the playoffs. And he's a pretty good player, so I'm kind of happy to see him stick with the big team over there in Tacoma on that one looking ahead. Oh my goodness, uh, I just had a thought. Um, if, if Since we've made the playoffs, uh, I, excuse me if I'm jumping too far ahead, but... Um, could we potentially see could we potentially see playoff soccer at Centene before the first team is even in MLS? Well, they got beer. I don't see why not. <laughs> that yeah. is exciting. I don't care if I don't care how much you like soccer or how much you like this team. That's exciting to anybody. And there's not a lot of options by the time that rolls around, especially even the SK, uh, SKC2 game, because both SLU and SIU Edwardsville are going to be playing their own games at that point. Their seasons are going to be ramping up. So uh, it's either their training ground or going to a very small venue somewhere else because... Yeah. Scott Gallagher's probably got soccer park locked up. Uh, yeah, they're not going to play playoff games at Creve Core. God forbid they they and 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 I hate that I'm putting this into in, out into the universe, but God forbid they try to play the playoff games at the dome. <laughs> I don't think the dome meets specifications for that. The dome is already like all like almost permanently configured for gun shows now. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect uh, if it's not Centene, it'll probably be Creepcore. I don't think they have enough stands pitch. for that. It no, if anything, they'll just pitch. add extra stands on, like temporary stands onto Soccer Park in Fenton and have them play there. That has more stands 
as it stands. Joke, not not intended. <laughs> if you will, <laughs> um, but that that's Fenton Soccer Park, uh, where the old STLFC used to play, that has more stands than anything at Creve Core. Could be, could yeah. be, but that's not my decision to make or try to uh, negotiate the logistics of. It'll, it'll and for that, I yeah. am extremely grateful. Now, City Two sits. Tied for second in the east uh, in the Western Conference. Not tied for second, running away with second. They're running away with second. Second overall, still leading all, including the Eastern Conference in points per game because they have games in hand. And uh, just what? What are they? One point behind Tacoma. One point behind Tacoma and one point ahead of Columbus on the overall table. Quite a season so far, yeah. coming to its end. And we have five points on North Texas, who are, I believe, tied with Houston for third in the West. Uh, Tacoma has a kind of a, you know, easy schedule going down the stretch. Oh, they got to walk. <laughs> Sounders, on the other hand, Christian Roldan got an injury. They're in need of players. They could be stripped of some of those uh MLS players that they've had the luxury of using quite a bit this season, they might have to be called up to the big club. Uh, that could stifle them a little bit, but they're they're going to be in the playoffs. They are, and yeah. uh, they're still going to be a tough out. That's a good team. Yeah, impressed no. me greatly. The thing with Tacoma is is that the only team that they're playing for the rest of their season that is not already eliminated from playoff contention is Vancouver. This is Whitecaps too. Whereas we only have one easy game left in our schedule, which is Timbers 2. Um, and is that the next game, Mason? Yes. Next game is Timbers 2. Um, so we have a significantly more difficult uh, uh, schedule ahead of us. But that starts with our bye week against Timbers 2. Uh, that is a on Saturday, the 27th. Uh, kickoff is 7 p.m. Central. Uh, this is another away game, obviously. This is our, our big road trip. And like I said earlier, this is our bye week. Uh, Timbers 2 are bottom of the table. They've only won one game. Um, this should be a walk. This should be a good chance for us to rotate before we head into the meat grinder of North Texas and Dynamo Dose. Uh, I don't really foresee much trouble. Ahead of us. And there's the trap. Yep. This is a trap game. The absolute hubris, I know. But yeah. I, I have to say, though, I had no idea that that, that Portland Tubers had not won more than one game all season. They have only won one game. They have two They have two shoot, uh, shootout wins, but they only have one outright win. Oh, But it kind of is... fits in the formula that Merrick Paulson has developed uh, as the owner of the Timbers. Into where they reach into South America to pull players up. They have never really been about developing and haven't developed very many of their own players. It's just not the model that they're doing. They've had great success with this model, so it's hard to say it's right or wrong. They're just one of the teams that have decided not to go into uh, player development underneath the uh, you know top-level MLS club. Yeah, and I mean, you can look at the Portland Timbers and you can say you you can see that that model works. But for us down here in MLS Next Pro in the quote unquote development league, uh, this is an absolute coup for us that that's their model. <laughs> yeah, 
it works out pretty well. Now all I have to do is finish the deal. That's always the question. Any given Saturday. Yeah, in this case. Uh, <laughs> also, news coming out for development for St. Louis City SC is uh, the club has announced an expanded academy coaching staff and more age groups. And I'll go ahead and throw it to uh, Mason to give us a little rundown on this. Yeah, so uh, yeah, City 2 has announced a big expansion for the academy. Um, a big swath of hires and also new age groups. So uh, augmenting the previously established U16s and U17s, there are now joining a U14, U15, and U21 program. So that is now five age groups in the St. Louis City SE Academy, um, along with a lot of hires for that. Um, the previous uh, academy head coach, Andrea Schumacher, has parted ways with the, with the club. So now there are individual discrete head coaches for each age group. Um, and uh, this is a previous hire from, I believe, March. Uh, Dale Schilly is Academy Director, um, so he is remaining in his role. Um, we have uh, John McGlassy. Yeah. <laughs> a. Uh, yeah, John McGlassy uh, is joining as the U21 head coach. And Louis Swisher, who has previously been with the Academy staff, I believe is the assistant head coach of the U16 squad has gotten a promotion up to U21 assistant head coach. Um, David Critchley, also returning, was previously, I believe, the U17 assistant head coach, is now the U17 head coach. Um, and joining him is Sean Reynolds uh, as a U17 head coach. Uh, Kyle Riebling will be assistant coach for the U17s and 15s. Adam Burke will be the U16 head coach. And Sean Whalen will be his assistant coach alongside uh, assistant coach for the U14s. And as we previously talked about, Megan McCormick will be the head coach for the U14s. Uh, the only one of these names uh, that has already, that was already announced. Um, Anthony Wallace will be joining the squad as the U15 head coach. And then we have uh, three names returning. Tim Kelly is remaining as goalkeeper coach. Mark Pye is assistant goalkeeper coach, and Charles Rankin is academy specialist coach. They all remain in their roles. Now, will these all be competing in MLS Next Pro? No. So, as far as I can tell, the only squad joining MLS Next Pro will be the U15s. Uh, the U16s and 17s are going to stay there. Uh, the only one joining them is the U15s. Um the U21s are going to be competing in the United Premier Soccer League, which is a kind of pro-am league. And then the U14s, from what I can tell, are like a regional, like regional development league or something like that. Um, so it sounds to me like they're mostly going to be playing like Scott Gallagher and Lou Fuse and stuff like that. Uh, Lou Ted referenced that they would perhaps compete in MLX next pro at U14s if other uh, teams decided to get involved in that and throw their money at it. It appears that that's not in the plans for next season. I assume 
because I don't have a lot of information right now. I do need to correct y'all um, because uh, as as y'all are currently stating the you whatever age group are you you said competing in next pro they're going to be competing in mls next uh, MLS i knew next it was gonna pro. happen <laughs> specifically just city two mls no next my- <laughs> is the academy teams i i, I, I had to say happen. it and i had to make sure that that our listeners are not getting bad information from us I must correct I it as I see it, would, it. I knew it was going to happen. Yes, yeah. Sean is correct. MLS next. Um, also, MLS needs to do something about their naming system <laughs> because this is untenable. <laughs> I was wondering why I couldn't complete my MLS crossword puzzle. That <laughs> explains it. I got the gam and the tam down, but uh, yeah, this one was throwing me. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm not taking full responsibility for that mistake. Yeah. Some of this lays on the bed of MLS <laughs> and the it's way that they name their marketing. <laughs> I hardly think it's my faux pas. Yeah. Anyway, yes, Sean is correct. Uh, it is MLS Next and not MLS Next Pro. Those are two discrete leagues. Anyway. Um, also a discrete league is the United Premier Soccer League, which is the uh, the league that the U21s will be competing in. Uh, they will be competing in their top tier, which is the Premier Division. Um, and they're starting to play very soon. Uh, I was looking at the website, and their first scheduled match is on Sunday the 28th against uh, uh, Deportivo Mijalisco in Nashville. Um and also, their next scheduled game in the UPSL is a home game at Centene's training pitch in wow. September, I believe on September 9th. So even before that game against SKC2 for MLS Next Pro. Uh, so much to consider. <laughs> uh, for those not uh, familiar with the UPSL, and to be quite honest, I really wasn't that familiar with it before this was announced either. It is a developmental league meant to bridge the gap between the academies and uh, the professional levels is what we'll see. They occupy the fourth tier in American soccer. And for old timers like me to have four tiers of American soccer is astounding. Uh, So... Who is going to benefit from having a U21? Uh, it's a way to draw in new talent, perhaps in this window, that perhaps people that might not quite be prepared to jump to the, the, the late bloomers, but need somewhere to go. Those who either have no interest in going to college or just frankly haven't been able to find the means, scholarships to go. Uh could also be those graduating from the U-17s uh, could still be seniors in high school that want extra play or have graduated above that level, like Fritz Vollmer and Nathan mm-hmm. Ferguson, yeah, especially uh, come to mind, that are going to be on the U-21 roster. Uh, other ones that uh, could get it is uh, perhaps certain people that aren't yet prepared uh if they want to take the path of turning pro or going to college to play soccer, this gives them an out to at least get some games in, get some game time, find out where they're going to fit. Just off the top of my head, that's kind of what came to mind is who you might see fill this up. Uh, another thing about uh, St. Louis City's uh, youth development uh, 
their uh, their academy and City 2 Wonderkind. Aaron Hurd has been called up yet again to the USMNT U-17 camp. The 15-year-old winger, yes, 15, uh, has made six appearances for City 2. Uh, this uh, It's good to see the big media in the city are ramping up their coverage about St. Louis City SC. Tim Timmerman uh, gave us this uh, bit of information, and he's been especially leading the coverage on City 2 for STL Today and the Post-Dispatch. Uh, this week, there was a nice article about the City Future program and bringing the joy of uh, El Juego Bondito to kids uh, 8 to 14, I believe is the age group in camps spread around neighborhoods within the city and East St. Louis, uh, especially trying to uh, get involved uh, the underprivileged and underserved uh, kids in the area. Eh, who knows? Maybe find a gym or two amongst yeah. them. No, I, I particularly like that article because um, it's a, it's regarding the city city futures program, which we've kind of talked a little bit about, and you might have seen on like the city uh, Twitter account and stuff like that. But I I was kind of worried that it was going to end up like a lot of these programs where it ends up being play, pay to play and only really serves the rich white suburbs, and it seems like that's not the case. Um, there's a nice quote from uh, somebody uh, from Ferguson where they have one of their camps saying that um, that their kid always really wanted to play soccer, but it was too expensive and too far away, not serving, you know, North County, North City, places like that. And finally, this City Futures program moves into Ferguson and their kid is able to go and play soccer. Finally, finally able to give them that opportunity. I thought that, that was nice. Um, and it's, it was also nice to kind of have my my fears of the program kind of alleviated. Yeah, and uh, it's a point that uh, some MLS clubs have done is to uh, address the failings of U.S. soccer in trying to get exposure and experience and a chance to play for some of these kids in these uh, underserved uh, neighborhoods and families uh, because the pay-to-play the f- format that's been so popular in American uh, soccer has, well, we have no idea how many great players might have been left behind because of that. Also, uh, STL Today had a really nice article this week, uh, an interview with Thomas Ostrak, uh, talking about how important his early arrival is to uh Basically, to City 2, getting a big jump before the season starts to come to the U.S., uh, looking at how helpful it is to become acclimatized to his new country and uh, some of the challenges he's been faced with. Uh, he particularly mentioned must have a car in the U.S. That's new to him as a European. Must have a bank account. Surprising. Uh, also, settling into an apartment and all that just above, you know, getting used to the language and the culture. So it's a big, huge boost for St. Louis City SC to sign these international players ahead of their inaugural season. Not only get work on the pitch, but let them get settled, let them get comfortable. Oh, yeah, and this this was one of the big things that uh, Lutz was harping on when he was, before we even started signing players, he wanted to make sure he was getting players in early enough, especially the important ones, 
that they could settle into the city and give them a chance to acclimate to society in this city specifically so that they didn't have to worry about it. At the same time, they're trying to worry about acclimatizing themselves to the club and to the first team and all of that. Um, and I think he's very much done a very good job of getting, especially the international players that aren't, uh, you know, accustomed to the U.S. and to the MLS style of play to give them a chance to acclimate to St. Louis society, to at least American society as a whole. Um, <clears throat> Austrac definitely seems to benefit from coming in at least three months out before the preseason, before the World Cup, and especially for players that have a potential to go out and play in the World Cup and come back. They have a chance to settle in before they really get there. Uh, also in the same vein, uh, there was a ar nice article on TransferMarket.com, uh, U.S. version. Uh, there wasn't a byline on it. I'm imagining it was Manuel Vaith, since he lives in the Vancouver area, caught up with uh, Jacques Klaus and Roman Berkey, and talking about in the same vein about getting in, getting in early and how important it is. Yeah, and one thing I want to say is that as much as we're talking about how, like, you know, Lutz and the club have done a good job serving these players coming over from Europe, I want to run up the flag for Tom Timmerman, who has done a fantastic job as beat writer for the Post-Dispatch, covering the team and getting these articles to us and getting access to these players. Big hat tip to him. I've run into him a couple of times at City 2 home games, uh, and, you know, there's certain aspects and access that uh, the big media has that, say, us amateur pundits just don't have. And uh, with all their resources and their ability to cover that, uh, we were, were relied on it and need more. It also helps us in a role of pumping up enthusiasm uh, for the squad as it heads into its first season. And that's uh, this week is about all we've got for St. Louis City SC. Uh, the amount of news just keeps ramping up as we get closer and closer. The excitement builds for that first game next spring. Uh, you can feel it, uh, things to look forward to, perhaps some other announcements, perhaps the opening of Centene Stadium, perhaps. And uh, we're also looking forward to, it's been mentioned that expect in sometime in October to see a first kit reveal. We'll see if they hold up to that timeline on that. Next... <laughs> We're going to give a little look at the league that uh, St. Louis City will be competing in with the MLS Roundup. And to take us through that, it'll be Sean Campbell. All righty. On this week, this week's version of the MLS Roundup, we're going to start off a little differently. Um, there was an article posted by Andrew Wiebe that I think posed a very interesting question. Uh, and he asked the question, who is the best attacking trio in MLS right now? Um, and I'd like to pose that same question with also the caveat of who is your favorite attacking trio in MLS right now? Because you can have a favorite that's not necessarily the best at the moment. I'll lead off with my answer. Personally, I think Cincy has the best at the moment informed trio, uh, if not just the most exciting trio, because between Vasquez, Brenner, and Lucho Acosta, they have 30 goals, 22 assists combined between the three of them. And I, I just, I don't know how, since he's not doing much better than they are, because they are absolutely 
dominant in the attack. Um, they're, they're they're leading the league in the tri- in as far as an attacking trio goes with most goals and assists put together. Um, I recognize that you know people out there are going to be listening to this and thinking, oh, but you're not looking at quality of total players, and Toronto FC has the best. Okay, yeah, sure, but they don't have the numbers to back it up just yet. We'll see how that how that stands up next year at this point in time. But I think the best trio right now has to be Vasquez, Brenner, and Acosta. But my favorite is down in Dallas because Jesus Ferreira, Paul Areola, and Velasco are tearing it up with 28 goals and 15 assists. And I I just you cannot be mad at all about the fantasy about the, the chemistry. That is happening between Areola and Ferreira. And now you add Legette to that mix to make it even better. That's that's a good mix. And I love to see it down there at FC USMNT, as they're calling it on Twitter. But yeah, what about you guys? Who is your who do you guys have as your quote unquote best trio versus favorite trio? Uh they don't play much together, but just the thought of Bale, Vela. And Chicho Rango in uh, LAFC is frightening. Uh, think about Bale streaking down the right, outpacing everyone. Vela tagging a little bit behind, a uh, little to the right. So if he gets the pass, he can uh, set off a shot with that delicious left foot of his. Arango using his quite good ability to get the ball in the net from wherever he's at using whatever technique and if Bale that is if uh, Bale's covered all the way to the goal line if he isn't so we've seen earlier he'll just turn and take it right in the net himself that's frightening but they don't play much together and Bale and Vela tend to play in a very similar position but on the break that's frightening also have to give a shout to Minnesota United and what they've been doing lately in their Extremely good run of form. They're seven, one, and two in their last ten, and it all starts with Bebe Reynoso. But the wingers are really stacking up. Frangipone, especially, really starting to show up for this team, and they're exciting. I just want to say on that uh, on the LAFC comment real quick that uh, in in Weeby's article. He originally had the trio for LAFC being Orango, Vela, and Sefuentes. And uh, he has them ranked at number two. And they are absolutely knockout drag out as well at 27 goals and 20 assists. Um, they're exciting to watch. They put a lot of good football on the pitch. Um, and get Bale is their bonus, their bonus player there. Um, so <laughs> I, I definitely think it's a valid opinion for sure. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine him on the break with those three leading the charge? And then Sifuentes coming up from behind? Yeah. Yeah. Sifuentes was the other thought, but just the thought of Bale Vela and Chicho Rango just is mind-boggling. Uh, one other one I didn't mention and harped upon him a couple of months ago because they weren't creating any goals. It seemed to be a problem for them. Right now, what's going on with the Philadelphia Union up front is devastating. They get out quick. They score goals, their defense is suffocating, and once they sense blood in the water, it's a feeding frenzy, and they just score in bunches and bunches and 
bury teams like they did with DC United this weekend. Yeah, absolutely pounce. I do believe the term is domination station. <laughs> um, but Mason, I, I hate to put you on the spot like this, but you, you got to give us at least a trio that you really like to watch. Um, like who do you who do you think has some of the three most exciting attacking players to watch right now? Well, in in MLS, the thing is is that you guys have already covered my favorites. Uh, so I'm going to give an honorable mention to Austin. Austin's upfront attack has been lights out all season. My favorite is probably I'm cheating here a little bit. It's a really a duo of Pozuelo and Higuain in Miami. Those two are absolutely electric right now. I love watching Miami play. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Weeby also added in uh, Campania to make them a trio Mm -hmm. and has them as an honorable mention. And you're absolutely correct. They are doing very well down there. Pozuelo is the answer there. Uh, Before, it seemed like Higuain would have to make the killer pass to hook up with Higuain's run. And Higuain just maybe too old or disinterested to do all that himself. <laughs> uh, Pozuelo's unlocked him. Uh, his brilliance and his soccer mind is now showing since Pozuelo showed up because he can make the runs. Now focus on playmaking. He's got an absolutely outstanding playmaker playing the true number 10 he's made for. And it's really unlocked them. And Inter Miami's a very fun team to watch right now and pretty doggone good to boot. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do think we would be remiss if we don't actively dive into the fact that Austin FC has arguably one of the best attacking trios with Driussi, Fagundes, and Finlay, and Arudi as a bonus, like like Mason mentioned, because those guys have just, they've taken this team from trying to not be last place to being absolutely top-tier team this year. And I just have to say, Congratulations to the the Verde and Black, but yeah, I think that I think that about wraps it up. Unless someone else has something else to say, but uh, we're gonna. You want to read more? You can uh, reference that article on MLSsoccer.com, of course, if you're unfamiliar with Andrew Weeby. Yeah, go check out the article. It's it's a neat little ranking. He gives a little description on on there. There's more teams there than we mentioned, Um, but moving right along down the down the MLS. Roundup. We've got some transfer news. We've got some transfer outs. Um, previously mentioned, Sefuentes has been heavily linked with a move to Brighton in the EPL. Uh, this would be another MLS talent jumping to a top league over in Europe. And it seems like he'd actually be getting playing minutes there. LAFC is definitely going to miss him if he moves on, but not so much that it'll hurt their record, despite him contributing seven goals and six assists. But... I mean, they still have Vela and Arango to really put those in, and they have Bale to supplement that. So I'm not sure this will really hurt them too much, but it's a good move for the league. It's a good move for Sefuentes, and I think it'd be a really good move for Brighton as well, as long as they're trying to stay afloat. Granted, it's very early in the season. Yeah, LAFC isn't going anywhere. Um, although it will be a bummer to see Sefuentes move on, because before Bale showed up, he was a key piece in getting LAFC to where they are. But it, it, you know, him moving on is a good, if perhaps short sighted, short sighted move. And, uh, LAFC reportedly is already working on Sepuente's, uh, replacement. 
good business because he's he's ready to move. He's been so much better this year and he's been outstanding. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it'd be a smart business move for them to to move him on. It'd be a good move for him to get into a, a, a you know, another league and see some more inner, you know, some more a more competitive league for lack of better term. Um but yeah, just just seeing all the MLS talent jump over the pond and being in top leagues and actually seeing minutes is always a good thing. Um speaking of, we've got another move. Um it seems that Mamadou Fall is potentially going on loan to Villarreal in La Liga. Uh, word is the deal is in its final steps, and he it, it, it seems to have some real legs because he's previously had some training sessions with v- Villarreal, and I, I definitely see this going through. I have no, no word on terms or any actual numbers, but it's exciting to see for sure. And uh, it fits. He's the most exciting young center back in MLS, and... That puts him nowadays in the uh, class in the world because young center backs, center backs that are promising are not that easy to find. So there's a chance for LAFC to do some business here as well. The rich get richer. And speaking of the rich, we're talking about the talent rich here. Uh, looks like Georgie Mihailovic is all but confirmed to be making a transfer to AZ Alkmaar in the Dutch League. Uh, reports have it being upwards of six million in 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 for the transfer fee. Uh, this would be the largest incoming transfer for AZ. Um, and I just have to ask: Does does anyone else remember the 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 last the the last guy we had for the national team going over to Alkmaar? Um, the name escapes me at the moment. Um, he did really well there, though. Didn't he um, move from there to Sunderland for a big uh, big move that didn't do so well at Sunderland? And then I think he came back to MLS and didn't do so well. So now he's gotten traded to another team in MLS and is now on loan in uh, Liga MX. Um, well, he Dozy oh, Alcador, uh, as he was called in Sunderland, uh, actually when he came back to MLS was fantastic and a huge part of that uh, outstanding uh, 2017 Toronto FC club that almost won the uh, the quadruple. As they went to penalty kicks to take the CCL championship, but injuries and dare I say it, attitude may have been his downfall. Well, I, I referenced Josie just just for the fact that uh, hopefully Georgie can can go on this track and be as successful in Europe, but not have the injury woes and hopefully make make a staying presence in the US USMNT because I'd love to see. Georgie, get that call up, get those caps, and actually get to represent the U.S. for that. Um, he's put in an absolute, absolute MVP level campaign this year, and it's it's shown in such a way that it looks like he's. If this deal were to get done, he'd be loaned back for the remainder of the season because uh, Montreal are very keen on a deep playoff run, and he's instrumental in that for sure. Um, moving on, we've got a little bit of an injury update. We mentioned, I think it was either a week or two ago that Alexander Pato in Orlando had, it was out with a knee injury. They went in, they did some, some looking at it and it looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the year with a knee surgery, no timetable on his return just yet. Um, but I have to ask how, how is this going to affect Orlando going forward? And do you guys think they can recover from this? Do you think they'll be able to stay afloat? I was wondering why they went out and signed so much attacking talent uh, at the end of the window when they 
needed help on defense, perhaps they had an inkling that something like this would happen. Uh, so we'll see. Orlando is talented, but they're underperforming. Uh, their end of the season where they finish was in doubt, and this doesn't make it any better for them. We'll just see. They look terrible one week or one match, and then they look pretty doggone good the next one. So we'll see where they end up. It's it's impossible to say. They're the epitome of MLS chaos. Yeah. Yeah, Orlando's absolutely been riding a seesaw. So um, they've got really good talent on that team. They just can't seem to piece it together, and they can't finish on the pitch. So. Well, let's see if they can finish the year in a playoff spot or not. Currently, they hold on to fifth in the Eastern Conference by, I believe it's about three points. Sorry, two points. Two points they hold on to that fifth spot um, above the eighth place first spot out. So we'll see how that rounds up for them going into those final weeks of the season. Um, We'll take that and we'll transfer taking the transfer news and we'll transfer on to the on pitch news. Uh, we have our first official clinched playoff spot and surprise, surprise, it's LAFC getting the first official spot in the MLS playoffs this year with a loss to team chaos in San Jose. That's right. They lost and still clinched because we had a draw between the Rapids and Dynamo. And that is what punched their tickets to the playoffs. This ties the fastest team to clinch a playoff spot, which was LAFC in 2019 at 25 games. They're currently on po- on pace to break the record for points that was broken last year by the revolution that was set by that 2019 LAFC, LAFC team. And it, it's looking to be a very exciting season for them. Yeah, and uh, them taking a hit with a heavily rotated squad against San Jose's not shouldn't be too shocking because San Jose is a true bogey team for LAFC. That's what their fifth or sixth win in a row against LAFC, which is mind boggling. really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also like, this is surprising to basically nobody that LAFC is the first one to do it. This was a matter of time. They could have even done it a little earlier if, uh, if things had shaken out a little differently. Cause they were in the cars to clinch, I believe, last week or maybe from midweek games uh, if uh, some teams had gotten specific results that didn't shake out, but they got it here. Yeah, it's it's still exciting to see that teams are starting to clinch. We're starting to get into that run up to the playoffs and you're going to start hearing us making that 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 playoffs real soon. Playoffs. <laughs> A uh, little bit of a callback to last week's episode. Um, remember that accumulation talk we talked about? Um, yeah, Jesus Ferreira had to miss a match because he hit that accumulation mark um, and he managed to miss out on the absolute knockout, dragout beatdown that FC Dallas suffered at the hands of Nashville SC. Uh, and it, and I, I have to say, I, I think a little bit of this has to be attributed to the fact that Jesus was not on the field because of his level of hold up play and checking back in the midfield definitely missing that definitely hurt FC Dallas going into this one. Also had a little bit to do with Hanny Mukhtar, who had just perhaps the greatest individual game in MLS this season. He was well. That's Hanny Mukhtar just being Hanny Mukhtar. Like you have to expect that from him every game. Otherwise, you're not giving credit where credit is due. He's fabulous. 
and seems to be extremely happy at Nashville and extremely happy in MLS because people are internationally are sniffing around, I've heard rumors of, and he doesn't seem too inclined to leave. He just seems to have found a happy little home in MLS. Yeah, we got one I think is uh, starting to find the joy of MLS in our next team roundup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have to say that I'm very happy to report that uh, Sporting KC lay the absolute beatdown on Portland Timbers. Um, Although I do have to say, don't get my hopes up like this, guys, and don't make me think you can make the playoffs when you know you're not going to. I don't have the heart for it. It's gonna, it's gonna break. It, I'm gonna have a heart attack one of these days. They are uh, mathematically disqualified yet. <laughs> Mason, stop it! I'm going to have a heart attack on recording, and that's gonna be on your head. But no, um, Will, William Agata has an absolute game and continues to produce like a man possessed. He has, I believe, it's five goals in four games for Sporting KC now. And he has a brace in this one. He has an assist. Tommy comes in and absolutely puts in a great performance in the midfield. Pulse camp showing that there is no problem with the backup in net for Sporting KC. Get this guy more playing time. He is well-deserved in that slot as a sub for the team of the week this week. And I, I cannot wait for him to finally get that call up to the national team as granted, he's gonna be a backup behind Turner and Stefan for quite a while and probably Slanina, but we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. And, uh, kudos to, uh, Agata. He's short time in the league. He's already made, uh, the armchair analyst, Matt Doyle's face of the week, uh, for the second time already, just, you know, what joy he expresses it. it like we said, it, it looks like he's really, Really enjoying himself at this time at Sporting KC and at MLS. It's it, the the smile on his face is infectious. Oh, Lights in the darkness of the SKC. <laughs> Light in the darkness. Looking forward to next season. Moving right along, we've got a little bit of a midweek surprise here. We have an absolute upset in Charlotte FC getting the three one win at Yankee Stadium on the back of Swiderski getting his own version of the soccer how hat trick. And again, we need a better name for this, but he got a goal, an assist, and a card, this time yellow. But Swiderski coming through, doing what they pay him for. Uh, Charlotte showed some signs of uh, hitting that expansion into the year rut. Big bounce back for them, but uh, concerns continue and are rising for what's going on at uh, NYCFC. Uh, Tate Castellanos left, but um, perhaps more importantly, uh, their coach Ronnie Dahlia left, and they're just a shadow of their former selves right now, and results aren't forthcoming. Uh, I don't think they're in any danger of missing the playoffs, but are they the contender that we thought they were just even a month, month and a half ago? Yeah, when we talked about NYC FC after Tati left, we were like, they've got players in the wings ready to go. Uh, Tati's absence won't be felt that harshly. But then Dahlia left, and now this has turned into a true and proper collapse. They've really cut back on their pressing that led to so many of those goals that uh, Castellanos was able to get. And... Their pressing went from one of the better in the league to it's dropping to one of the worst in the league, and results are following. 
I don't think uh, the coach Cushing has uh, really found his form, but you know what? In the history of NYCFC, whenever they replace a coach that moves on, uh, the new coach sometimes has a stumbling uh, starting out. I definitely have to say this def- this NYCFC team as they're closing out the season looks more representative of their tiny little piece of paper banner than a proper <laughs> banner. They got to put more effort in if they want a real banner. You know me, just having to get my digging at that. got to get that dig. Little bitty banner. Their effort's been as cheap and easy as uh, that joke was, Sean. Man, I was even going to say that when you put in that they got the win at Yankee, that we should have just ro- rolled along like the Char- like Charlotte FC was playing the New York Yankees. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. But yeah, NYCFC is looking in full big collapse mode here. And though they're not mathematically in, I definitely think that uh, they'll make it. But I think they're going to be one of the first ones out once once playoffs actually start. Um, moving on down the river a little bit, we'll go to Philly, where they continue to show that, as Mike said, once they score, they score in droves. And they have an absolute massacre in D.C. with a 6-0 win over D.C. United. Despite the fact that Wayne Rooney has injected some life into this team, Julian Carranza is absolutely dominating on a new level at this point in time he gets a hat trick in this game and he's very much contributing to to that attacking trio there and it's very exciting to watch for sure uh the fouled up uh uh initial team build of inter miami they got went out and got carranza and then just buried him didn't play him uh then they had you know the mess up uh, had to ship him out, then shipped him off to Philadelphia. He's found a home. The style of system with Jim Curtin is working. And Philly right now is devastating. Uh, DC United actually played about the first 30, 40 minutes of this game pretty well. But once that Union attack that all of a sudden has appeared started rolling, there was no stopping them. And DC United just got rolled over. Just rolled over. Making a case for moving the capital back to Philly. <laughs> hey, I mean, they they could make the case all they want. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Because uh, everyone knows, at least the listeners to our podcast, the soccer capital is in St. Louis. Always has been, always will be. But moving from one thumping to another, Montreal getting the 4-0 win despite missing Georgie because Georgie was in in uh, over in Europe discussing finalizing the, the contracts there. Uh, Kyoto definitely was the player of the game here. He had a brace and an assist, but Montreal continuing their dominant run up to the finish for sure. Yeah, um, Montreal didn't look very good to open the season, but they've made a real charge um, the last couple of months. They are real defenders. Wilfred Nancy's proving to be a fantastic head coach, and it's just a matter of time, especially being in Montreal and his heritage until somebody in Ligon comes sniffing around for him. I mean, yeah, they they are doing an 
everything in their power to put in a great campaign. And they're only, what, five points back of Philly for first place in the East. They are absolutely dominant right now. And I, I think they're getting hot at the right time for sure. And a little shout out to Victor Wanayama. Uh, very quietly and as a defensive player brought in as a DP, people might have scratched their heads, but there's a certain stability around him like uh we see with Anna, uh with uh, Ali Badoya in Philadelphia to where the team just settles around him as a leader and spreads out from there so i just wanted to get that in oh yeah definitely um i i can confirm as seeing him at Tottenham for a, a short while uh that that's he's definitely very very good in that midfield and is very deserving of that DP slot. Um, but like you said, he's, he's kind of just almost like a glue guy at that point, you know, but he actually puts in numbers on the field, just not the numbers that everyone cares about. Cause the numbers everyone cares about are the ones that go up on the score sheet. But Wanyama uh, is definitely, a, a, I think a bit of an underappreciated player on that squad right now, for sure. And uh, one last thing before we wrap up uh, MLS coverage. I just got a name that observers should start to become familiar with. And that is, if I get it right, Jesper Loffelsund. Yeah, even I need to get familiar with the name. He's a German uh, national U.S. college player. I believe went to Pitt, was a left back and, you know, successful enough. But he was an 81st pick, 81st in the recent Super Draft. He comes into RSL, they change him to a center mid, and he's been fantastic. Just fantastic. Uh, it's hard to explain why RSL just keeps surprising and keeps winning, but his ability to get him on the break where they're devastating is a big name. Jesper Loffelsen. Keep that in mind. Let's see if his develop keeps on the path that it is, because it's it's a wonder to behold so far this year, and he's playing out of position. He might actually be one of the very top top five uh, number eights in the entire league this season. And he was a left back his entire previous career. Kind of makes you wonder if he was playing out of position his entire career up until this point. <laughs> All right, well, that I think that about wraps up what we've got for MLS. Uh, one last thing before we leave y'all this week. I want to give a little bit of a U.S. men's national team weekend update um, because we're we're just about a month out from that final window of friendlies before we jump into the World Cup. So let's just keep you updated on what some of the guys are doing that, you know, you may not be super up on because they're not penciled in or penned in in some cases as starters for this team going in and, you know, getting their ticket punched to Qatar. Um, and. I think one of the guys that we need to talk about first that we've at least mentioned, we've talked about him before, but Brennan Vasquez, I think he's clearly made his case uh, that if not in this last, in this last window to get a call up that he should get a serious look in the next, the next cycle for sure. Him and Mihailovic uh, are very, very similar boats that they've put in great campaigns. They've been in form for the last couple of years. I think they deserve to be talked about. Yeah, perhaps this last window is going to be extremely hard to break into the World Cup team because it's really going to be focused on 
getting because there's just not the time that there normally is to have a longer camp so they're going to have to really get to work together for the uh probably the 20 or so names that are locked in right now for the world cup roster maybe a little easier for vasquez because the number nine especially a backup to ferreira uh hasn't been settled yet but mihalovic you know that injury he got before an earlier camp really killed him it might be the next cycle the wretched FIFA once again conspiring against American players. Well, while we're speaking of the number nine role, I think I think we need to talk about a, a bit about uh, someone who's muddying those waters a little bit with Josh Sargent having himself a glorious start in the championship for the Canaries at Norwich with three goals in his last two games, put in the work, uh, see if he can keep that up and and punch his ticket to Qatar. Uh after years of frustrations, has he clicked for Josh Sargent? He just looks more confident and more direct at goal, uh, looking to score. He looks like a different player. Now, hopefully it's clicked and uh, he's just at that level as being a championship type player rather than a Premier League type player. But, you know, he's still very, very young. He's got time to develop. Oh, absolutely. And you you love to see the St. Louis boy put it together finally. Um, but speaking of somebody who's made it click and some buddies really that have made it click at an elite level, uh, keeping it in England. We had, we mentioned earlier Leeds United having a great start to the campaign. I, I would, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams had themselves a superb showing against Chelsea. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're still listening to this show, if you haven't already, go out and find Aronson's goal in that 3-0 trouncing of Chelsea. And you will see that as Aronson being Aronson and doing what he does best. And that's run at you and cause pressure. It's such and I can't a, decide. It's such a pest goal. It's such a poacher goal. It's so good. <laughs> That's the scouting report on Aronson. He has technical talent and physical ability, but he's one of the biggest pests in world football right now. But that's what he's good at. He runs like he has no limit on the gas in his fuel tank, and he'll make you make mistakes. And I cannot decide if that if 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 the goal was better or if Jesse Marsh's celebration on the goal was better. Uh, I would say the goal was better because that just lifted leads from, well, let's just say it from balls to the wall playing style to just true hypersonic style of playing that just overwhelmed Chelsea, quite frankly, in this game, especially for large swathes of it on that. And I've been reading a lot of uh, what the English uh, press has been saying about them, and they're just amazed at the amount of ground that both Aronson and Adams just cover. Uh, the work rate from those guys is really catching the eye only three games into their Premier League careers. Absolute wheels. We already knew that, right, from watching them with the men's national team, but absolute wheels on those boys. Oh yeah, Ab engines that do not quit is 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 the way I would describe them. Um but yes, it's it's great to see them really having great starts to the season. Hopefully they can keep that form rolling into Qatar. 
Uh, but keeping it in this game, Pulisic actually got into a game for Chelsea. Imagine that. Pulisic actually plays for Chelsea. Um, but all he manages to do in this is get nailed by a shot from his own teammate in Ziyech. And uh, that's really the only presence I saw from him in this game. <laughs> so it's good and bad there. And uh, Pulisic uh, seems to be really slotted in by Tuchel as a super sub. Uh, and actually, he's quite good at that. That's not what he wants. not what we want. But with his pace, directness, and uh, and energy coming in late, running at uh, tired legs, he can be a real difference maker. But there was no way to make a difference in this game. Uh, Leeds overwhelmed him. Uh, have we ever seen uh, a game where three U.S. developed players our starters are key contributors for a club in a single individual Premier League game. Absolutely not. Until now. Um, but not just the players. We also have the head coach developed in the in the U.S. as a coach. And also a big win for MLS. Not only we have, well, Pulisic wasn't in MLS, but Aronson and Adams and Jesse Marsh famously was. But another big star for Leeds in this one was Jack Harrison. Uh, he is really coming into form for Leeds. And he came over to the U.S., went to university, as they say, to, you know, kickstart his academy career. Got number one pick in the Super Draft. Got in with the City Group at NYCFC, and he's really kicking on. And just another feather in the cap for what is happening around MLS with their new crown focus on youth and development. And the rewards are coming in, I think, a couple of years earlier than anybody really uh, uh, was anticipating. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I said this on air. I know I said it earlier when we, I think when we were taking a, a short stoppage in recording, but Imagine how huge it would be if Leeds United with led by giant MLS produced pro, you know, produced players and had that huge presence from MLS and they go on to do very well. They make Europa or, you know, uh, outside chance they make Champions League. Imagine how huge that would be for not just us as a country with Aronson and Adams, but as a as a league how far we've come that we can produce players that can compete at the Champions League level. Uh, before the season, Jesse Marsh and recruiting players to come to Leeds, and some of them were ones that he knew and that, but uh, one of the pitches was that uh, you could s stay like Christensen at uh, RB Salzburg and play in Champions League, or you can come over here and play Champions League football every single week because that's how good the EPL is. And uh, Christensen himself says, yeah, this is so far above what I've experienced playing in the Champions League. Uh, it's such a higher level. Just three weeks into his career, he's already seeing and playing, having to play at a higher level and perhaps having get challenged at that. And Jesse Marsh is just the kind of guy to challenge him to push through that and see what he can do. Good for them. It, it, it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. One last exciting fact before we move on. I just want to mention that uh, this was Leeds United's first win against Chelsea in over 20 years. 
brought to you by Jesse Marsh and the men's national team. <laughs> a lot of that has to a- do because Leeds screwed up their business and got shuffled way down in the bottom of the pack, but uh, it's still big news and it was huge, huge things for the uh, native uh, Leeds United supporters. Uh, still a great day for them. Uh, the fans loved it. They all were very excited, and they, they continue to be excited about the Americans on their squad for sure. And people who have been following the game for a while will know how huge a club U- Leeds United is and what sort of presence they used to have until they fell apart. Uh, and I think a lot of people are looking at them and kind of want Leeds back in because they were such a huge part of English football for so many years. And uh, have them playing well is there's neutrals that are excited for Leeds in England, uh, which is a big deal. Moving on from the EPL back to USMNT, we've got somebody who we've talked about before. Uh, looks like Jordan Pfock is routing himself into some great early season form. He's got a goal and an assist for Union Berlin already uh, in one game against RB Leipzig. Uh, good to see him getting into form. Uh, it seems as though Haji Wright is still tearing up the Turkish league. He's got three goals in three games. But I think most importantly here is the fact that we have an urgent alert for those that didn't know. Gio Reyna makes it back onto the pitch. I repeat, this is not a drill. Gio Reyna is <laughs> back on the pitch. He comes on for about a half an hour of work as a sub. But he still looked decent individually, even though Dortmund lost. But Gio Reyna is back on the pitch. I'm going to have to find a sound clip of like a siren going off. And it just it like in all like spoken in all caps. Gio Reyna is back on the pitch. It's, the, it's arguably one of the most exciting things I've felt as a U.S. fan in a long time. Not the most, but one of it's up there because... He's still, what, 19? And the fact that we're so excited for him to keep playing and come back, it is, he's so good. I cannot so good. understate how much skill he has, the speed he has on that wing, the ability to put a ball in, and he still has some pretty good finishing as well. The fact that he's back and playing and probably will make this play into Qatar is enormous. And he has size. Uh, he's bigger than I ever thought. He's He's got some size to play at this level. Good for him. Hope he keeps developing the path he's on. Pushes through these struggles, learns a little bit more about how to be a professional. Sky's the limit for the kid. Sky's the limit. One last thing as, you know, moving to the last position we haven't talked about for the USMNT. We've got a little bit of a goalkeeper update. Still no game time in the EPL for Matt Turner. Uh, Stefan at Middlesbrough's not looking great, but I think part of it's because his back line in front of him is leaving him out to dry a little bit. Yeah, maybe Turner should have gone to Sunderland instead. The bigger club up the road is off to a very good start in their return to the English Championship. Uh, and a note as we talk about U.S. Nationals, a one-cap player, Lyndon Gooch, uh, Sunderland. Yep, he's still there. He's still a starter. And a key starter uh, for the Black Cats. Poor suffering fool. He deserves to get back some playing time in the English Premier League. What an absolute, like, American Hall of Name Lyndon Gooch is. (laughs) Surprisingly, he's from California. 
And if you ever hear him talk, he has this bizarre Californian Mackam accent that is just almost <laughs> undecipherable. Well, that's about all I've got for MLS and USMNT, unless you guys have anything left to say. No, I'm pretty well spent. That is all that I have got. So I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. If you've lasted this long into the podcast, well, thanks for listening. Bye for now.